Welcome to the Work Life Brilliance Podcast with executive coach and best-selling author, Denise Renee Green. Denise fills each episode with humor, compassion, knowledge, and pragmatism to help you transform your life. Listen in and learn how you can tame your brain, lower your stress, and become the person you were born to be. Hello, my friend, and welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in. This is going to help you if you are thinking about or if you are about to change jobs or if you just change jobs, but you're going to have some huge nuggets of wisdom even if you are not in that position right now. So here's the situation. I have noticed that a lot of people are quitting their jobs. And this is fine. It is fine if you are confident that you are going to rock the next job. And if you have taught the people in your new company or your new department, ideally from the interview, you have taught them how to see you in the way that will help you draw strong boundaries so that they see that you are a person who believes in productivity, not busyness. And productivity is creating value with the least amount of effort. It's very rare. So people aren't used to it. And you've also taught them that your priorities coming into the job are to build relationships and create psychological safety as you learn more about the company, the department, the processes, and that you are not a reactive person, but a responsive person. So you're not on 24-7. These are all things that you want to teach somebody before you start a job because it is hard to unteach them. Ideally, also, you have taught them what you are great at. What is your superpower and what is a bad use of you? So this is going to make it all so much easier for you to soar once you get into the job. But if you start a job without genuine confidence, do you really think that that job is going to be a lot better than the one you're in right now? What's likely to happen instead is that your self-doubt is going to amp up and you're going to strive to prove yourself and teach them the wrong way to see you. And this is going to end up being a disaster for you. So here's how to tell if you're in this situation. Here's how to tell if you have self-sabotaging self-doubt. If you have thoughts along the lines of, I have to prove myself early or I have to learn quickly. I can't say no early on. Once I prove myself, then I can back out, back off. So if you go into the job with these beliefs, how are you going to act? Right? You have now taught them one way to see you, that you are a person who works, overworks from the beginning. Uh, you say yes to everything and you're very reactive and you get back to people immediately. It's going to be very hard to change that identity. You're going to burn out before you can actually become the person that you want to be. So let's use the STAIR model here. So just a reminder, S stands for situation. The situation is, I got a new job, or I'm thinking about getting a new job. Some thoughts that you have about that job are the ones I just mentioned. I have to prove myself. I have to learn quickly. I can't say no early on once I prove myself, then I can back off all these things. 
and the actions that are come from going to come from that well let's back up to the e the emotions well the emotions we have when we have self-doubt are things like uh anxiety nervousness worry maybe even feeling like a fraud feeling shameful like i'm not good enough for the job so all these toxic emotions will create actions and some of the actions there are actually quite a few let's talk about some of the common actions that come from any of those beliefs and emotions well you're going to say yes way more than you want to to try and prove your worth and you are going to overload if you're a leader you're going to overload already overloaded people who were already on the verge or in burnout. And even if you're not a leader, your actions will cause a ripple. And your uh, emails late at night, it's going to affect other people. Okay, some other actions. You're going to waste time because you're going to be busy and not productive. Busy looks like making way too many PowerPoints when a PowerPoint was not necessary. Working on weekends, sending late night emails, way too many Slack messages. That's all creating busyness, not productivity. Busyness is just about motion. It's motion that comes from habit and fear. Other things that could happen, okay? So you respond immediately to requests, making it harder for you and the person getting your request, making it more difficult for you to do strategic and important work because you're constantly getting interrupted. If you're a leader and you have self-doubt and these beliefs, you are going to fail to be a good influencer. And when you're a poor influencer, you don't get the resources you need and you don't get the resources your team needs and they burn out. Burnout is one of the obvious results that comes from self-doubt. But let's talk about a couple more actions that we take. I see a lot of people pretending to understand a request instead of asking, wait, what did you mean by that? Asking for clarification. And instead, you're working your butt off trying to answer the request that you didn't even understand in the first place. And you are wasting time and sometimes uh, wasting your entire weekend. Another action is faking confidence. Faking like you know what you're doing. And people can sense when you're faking, but they don't know what it is. And so they assume that they've done something wrong or they assume you're hiding something and it just makes it hard for you to create psychological safety. And you need psychological safety in order for people to feel connected and engaged and, and courageous enough to speak your mind. If you can't admit you don't know something, why is anybody on your team going to admit they don't know something? And here is one of the worst actions you can take. And that is to make a catastrophic decision because you feel like you need to be doing something to prove your worth. And if you haven't been in a company where this has happened, congratulations. But so many leaders come on board and because they feel the need to prove themselves, they will do something irrational, like reorganize a department before they even understand what's going on in the department. So it looks like they're doing something to earn their big paycheck. Or maybe they implement a big policy like, oh, all of a sudden we're going to do performance management in this certain way. Or, oh, let's just think about Yahoo. 
And what happened there when the CEO said that every person, regardless of their job, regardless of their location, regardless of their situation, had to come to the office for work. Of course, this was way pre-COVID time and pre-shelter in, but it was a catastrophic decision. When she made that decision, I said, if I owned a Yahoo stock, I would sell it today because it was so uh, irrational, but it was this big sweeping decision that made her feel like she was in control and doing something that would help the results when if she really talked to people and learned about what the company needed, that would not have been the decision that would have been made. So your primary goal in a new job should be this instead. It should be to build relationships. As you learn who people are, learn how things happen, learn what's working and what isn't working. There is so much organizational intelligence and emotional trauma in an organization. You will never find out what it is and never be able to be an effective leader until you learn. And that takes time. And it takes vulnerability and authenticity and psychological safety. So people need to trust you in order to help you be the leader you need to be and that you want to be. Your other goal in the job is to teach people how to treat you so that you can be productive and successful without overworking. You can teach people that you have strong boundaries. And then this is going to cascade to everybody who works with you or for you so that they aren't trying to prove themselves to you and overwork, which they're probably already doing in the first place, but a new leader comes in and now they feel like they have to prove themselves even more. So all of these actions and results, they suck, I know, but it is preventable. This is the good news. So when you go into a job with these goals of building relationship, learning, creating psychological safety, you can prime people to know that you're not going to make any big sweeping decisions immediately, that your job is to learn. And now you'll feel more comfortable and they will feel more comfortable because they're not looking for any big actions. They're looking for you to now create relationships and they're going to understand why you're talking to them. And they're not going to assume you're talking to them because you might want to fire them. So I want to revisit the five shifts because this is how you fix this. So before you even think about changing jobs, you need to fix your self-doubt first. So instead of feeling like you have to prove yourself, you go in confident, curious, and excited. And you don't have to fake any of this. It comes naturally to you because you've done the work, you've made the shifts, so that early on you prove to them that you are exactly what they need. You're exactly the person you interviewed with or they interviewed with and you're exactly what they need. So the five shifts, let's go through them really quickly and how they apply to this. I'm going to put them in a little bit out of order here, but the, the belief upgrade system, you have to shift from an identity of someone who feels like a fraud or an imposter, uh, who has to prove themselves. You have to shift into believing you are exactly where you need to be and you are exactly who they need you to be. I recently worked with a client. I was so grateful that she came to me before she took the new job. So she left her old job where she was a C-level leader 
and she took a new new job. And nobody knew this, but she told me that she felt like she got the job on a fluke. It was just some coincidences. She didn't really deserve it. And at some point, they would figure it out unless she faked it. And she faked confidence, that she faked expertise, that she faked she was knowing what, knew what she was doing. And she would just do that until she vested and then she would retire. How miserable does that sound? And here's the thing. She's amazing. She is such a great leader, but she has a brain like the rest of us that is uh, not about making us feel confident. It's just about making us survive. And so your brain is fear-based. You cannot avoid fear. But what you have to do is notice the fear and notice the story that the fear creates. Like, I'm a fluke. They're going to find me out. And then the strategy that you create based on that story. And you have to interrupt it and remind yourself of who you really are. And so she used the belief upgrade system with me. And when she found the belief about who she really was, her entire state changed. She smiled, she started giggling, and she was freaking excited to join the company. And in just a week on the job, she taught people that she was the kind of leader that cared about people, that was gonna take her time, learn about the organization, and she taught the CEO that he can talk with her about anything and come out of the conversation more clear, more confident than he was before he talked with her. So the belief upgrade system is a must. You have to have a new identity that aligns with how you want to feel and how you want to act and the results you want to get. All right, so the second shift I wanna talk about is leveraging your authentic strengths. This is all about remembering who you are and what your superpowers are and are not. I caught up with a former client because I was curious, because I knew that she had gotten a huge job, the job that she had been dreaming of. And I was wondering if she felt pressure, and she did. She was studying org charts and white papers all night, all weekend, and one of the results, unfortunately, was she was snapping at her kids. And I asked her, do you remember what your superpower is? And she said, just kind of casually, I help people feel deeply seen and appreciated so they can do their best work and have fun. <laughs> like, do you know how special that is? I mean, who doesn't want to work for a leader like that? But it wasn't coming out because she was thinking that she needed to learn everything about the job so quickly and that the only way to learn these things was to study, uh, to study at home, to study in the evenings, to study in the weekends. So I asked her, given who you are, do you think it's better that you learn from white papers or that you have real conversations with other humans who would love to get to know you, love to be seen by you and love to help you? Well, that was a no brainer and she got her weekends back and her kids were much happier and she is rocking it. So that just happens to be her superpower, but this is what every leader needs to do. Learn from the people around you because not only will you learn faster, but you will be able to build relationships while you're doing it. Okay, shift number three, embrace strategic laziness. This is all about preventing overwork and preventing your overwork from cascading to everybody else. So 
I may have mentioned Marie in the past, but I just want to tell you, Marie, Marie had so much pressure because she moved her entire family across the country for a job, and she was the breadwinner. And she was kind of a perfectionist. She was trained as an engineer, so it you know kind of came naturally to her. And when I taught her strategic laziness, I mean, she looked at me and thought, there is no effing way I'm going to deliver C-plus work. I told her, you're not getting straight A's anymore. Nobody cares. You're wasting precious energy trying to deliver perfect work when the CEO just wants the minimum viable product. And so she taught this to her team. She took a chance. She trusted me. And her team was also a bunch of perfectionists, and they thought they were just lowering their standards. They were very doubtful that this was going to work. And what they delivered, it felt like C-minus work to them, but later Marie told me, Denise, it was exactly what the CEO wanted. It was A work. Hers was the only strategy plan accepted by the CEO, and she was put in charge of all the strategy plans for the company, and she got more resources to help her. But it gets better. Her entire team took the day off before the big presentation. So what do you think her results are with her team? Do you think they're more engaged? I mean, the company's still very challenging to work in, but this team is loyal. They're not going anywhere and they feel so appreciated. Oh, and her family, they're really happy too because she is no longer burned out, no longer stressed out, no longer worried all the time that she made the wrong move and that she's overworking or has to prove herself. All right, let's talk about the next shift. You have to shift from expert to curiosity. And hey, here's the nice thing about when you're new at a job. It doesn't matter what your expertise is in. You are now a novice because you're in a completely different environment. You cannot be the expert. Now, this is a nice thing because your newness gives you the ability to be genuinely curious. So let's embrace this. Don't fake that you know what you're doing. Of course, you can bring all of your talents, all of your experiences, and be an expert in your field, but now is the time to be curious because that is what people truly need. So when Katie came to me, her imposter syndrome was so big. She had such a big story about not being smart enough or experienced enough or qualified enough to make these big decisions and lead these meetings with executives and present to executives. So she used the belief upgrade system, of course, because she had to change her beliefs about what executives needed. And when I asked her, do you want your people to always have all the answers in conversations? She looked at me, she's like, oh my God, of course not. I said, so, but you think executives do want that of you? And she realized they didn't want her to have all the answers. Of course, they needed to know what she knew, but what they really wanted was her to listen and understand them. Because she was delivering a message about change. Nobody likes change. I don't care how senior you are on the executive food chain, nobody likes change. And they wanna make sure that you understand all of their concerns and that you've heard them. So she doubled down on curiosity. And instead of over-perfecting PowerPoint presentations, and thinking she had to have all the answers, she asked lots of questions. This worked out so well that she got a promotion and inherited a completely new, new organization that she had zero experience in. 
and it was a very white male dominated field and here she is a woman with an accent and she could have felt like a total imposter but instead she had this new confidence this new curiosity and i just i laughed when she told me about this one meeting she was in they were throwing around all these acronyms and she says i'm sorry can we just stop for a minute i don't know what that means can you explain that acronym and they did and they were very uh, happy to explain it oh yeah because now they get to talk about something they're an expert in and the people around the zoom table the uh you know what i mean said I am so glad you asked that because I've wondered what that meant for years. Nice. All right. So now she knows that it's much more about knowing just enough to make an informed decision than trying to have all the answers and that she has experts around her now to fill in the gaps where she doesn't know. This change in her from expert to curiosity literally saved her 20 hours a week. She got her weekends back and she saved so much time that now she has time to go online and take classes in her new field, not to become an expert, to just to learn just enough. And the benefit is she also gets these little certifications and it gives her pride. It gives her this feeling of understanding and it just helps her be more informed and even better at her job. But she has no goal of going to get a master's degree or become the expert in this. She doesn't need to be. Her superpower, if we go back to the last, um, the last shift, her superpower was well, not only just being a wonderful human being who's hilarious and intelligent, but her superpower is courage. She makes decisions where other people flounder. And then she actually takes action and she helps people take action. People don't like change. People don't like taking action. People like talking. Well, a lot of people. Uh, but that is not how companies grow, that is not how companies change, and that is not how companies survive. So she is that rare leader who can be courageous enough to say, okay, we have enough information, this is what we need to do. She gets the approval to do it, and then she goes and does it. And she does it brilliantly because she has a strategic and tactical mind. All right, so the last shift is getting the right help. Because if you have imposter syndrome or acute self-doubt, this is very hard to shake. And you probably know you can't just do a power pose and suddenly become a confident person. It may help you have a little bit more of the confidence you need in that presentation, but this is a strategy. It's not a belief. So strategies are great, but you cannot employ a strategy until you have a calm state to receive it and until you have an identity a story about yourself, not a tragic story, but an uplifting story that you believe about who you are. So you can't just tell yourself platitude. Your brain will know that that doesn't, that doesn't work. It just bounces right off. You have to have a story that you believe that helps you relax, that helps you feel genuinely confident, like you got this. And when you make those shifts, you become the rare leader and you can be a leader at any level with any number of direct reports or zero direct reports, but you become that rare leader who helps people feel more confident and productive instead of fearful and busy, which is what we've got a lot of right now. And you help people make better decisions because of the way you ask questions and because of the psychological safety you create. You help people save hundreds of wasted hours because there are fewer email chains, fewer meetings, fewer PowerPoints, 
less rework, and you help people feel heard and understood and appreciated so they can do their best work and actually have fun at work. How nice would that be? And, you know, the bonus outcome of this is that the company is more successful and you and your team have less work than you had before while creating more success and better results. You see, work isn't supposed to kill you or demoralize you. It's supposed to be fun, engaging and fulfilling in a place where you can play and grow. Grow your strengths, your knowledge, and yes, grow your finances too. Make more money, grow your career. And even if you're not new to a company, if you've been in there a while, you can make these shifts and teach people a new way after you teach yourself a new way. I remember Karen who inherited a team. She was now leading an organization she was completely new to. And this team was burned out, beaten down. One person was on medical leave who had had a stroke. And you might remember from earlier podcasts, the World Health Organization and International Labor Board proved through a study a couple years ago that overworking, which they qualified as 55 hours or more, overworking led to early death, mostly via heart disease and stroke. So this is real. And when she inherited this team, she took it very seriously. And her goal was to learn and to help them, to help them be less burned out, to help them feel more of a sense of agency. And so uh, she used my how to say no with grace, not guilt tools and my overwhelm tools. And she had their back. She talked to partners and set new expectations about what the team was going to deliver, but she had to instill a new belief in her team, a belief that they really could say no and they would do it in a certain way that was responsible and that people would respect and that they were going to work in a completely different way. And in just one survey cycle, the scores on the question about work-life balance, her teams went up 28 points. That's almost impossible. That is almost never seen in employee surveys. But this little change that she made and this intention that she had not to deliver great customer service, I mean, of course, that was important, but her first goal was to understand, to learn, and to help stop the bleeding. Because overwhelm and burnout will always result in poorer results. So how on earth could she get her team to deliver better customer support when they were already in this state? So you have to make these shifts, whether you're leaving jobs or not. But if you do leave your job, this is the perfect time to become the person you're meant to be. So that person shows up. And then the people in the company are going to be so grateful that you are there and you're going to become a positive influence instead of a workplace hazard. Because that's what happens when new leaders come on, they damage morale, they damage people's health, and then they damage the results in a company just because of their self-doubt. So just remember, when you start your job, your biggest responsibility is to be curious, to learn, to build relationships, and create psychological safety. And it's going to be much easier to do this if you have an upgraded story about your identity, about your worth as a human being, not a corporate being, 
And remember the reason why you're there in the first place, to help others feel better so they can achieve more while working less. And all this will happen because you showed up authentically confident, not faking confidence. You showed up caring, curious, and excited to share your gifts and excited to let other people help you. So I would love to hear from you your success stories or horror stories about new bosses, new jobs. And, um, and if anything from this helped you, please let us know. We love to get your comments and we appreciate your five-star ratings because it helps other people find us and get help. So if you need help making these shifts and you want my help, I'm going to put a link in the notes. You can always go to my website, work-lifebrilliance.com. I have a lot of resources on there. On the front page, you can scroll down and get the self-talk cheat sheet. It's a one-page uh, tool to help you notice the thoughts and beliefs you have and instantly upgrade them so you can feel better and take better action. There's the masterclass to learn more about the five shifts. And if you're a female professional who needs help, whether you're thinking about leaving or you've left a job or you've started a new job, it doesn't matter. If you want help to avoid burnout, to work less, and to show up as your authentic self and be more influential, then you're a good fit to have a breakthrough call with me. So I only save a few spots every week, so I'll put a link in the, in the show notes, but feel free to apply for a spot because in that conversation, I'm going to help you get really clear on what's not working and we'll talk about what you've tried, and then we're gonna talk about what you want to happen instead. And I will help you figure out what the best next steps are to get that. So thanks for listening. I am excited for you and excited to hear about your successes and all the positive ripple effects that come from you being the best version of you as a leader. Thanks for listening to Work Life Brilliance. If you wanna be coached by Denise, join her in the Work Life Brilliance Academy where wholehearted humans are becoming the best version of themselves. Accepting applications now at wlbacademy.com.